Welcome to Bill and Tony's Excellent Adventure in Music. Here are your hosts, Bill Fraser and Tony Sartu. Welcome to Bill and Tony's Excellent Adventure in Movies. I'm Bill. And I'm Tony. And we usually explore our love for music, but today we're talking movies. Yes. So, you know, we have done uh, the Top Gun instant reaction to Maverick last year, and we enjoyed doing that a lot. And, you know, we're thinking, you know, it's the summertime and lots of big movies are coming out and we wanted to see them all. So we said, why don't we do a mini summer movie season for the pod? So we're going to do our instant reaction, spoiler free reaction to Oppenheimer. We're going to do Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and maybe Barbie if we get around to it. So um, we'd love to know what you guys think about um, us doing some movies. Bill, how can people get a hold of us? So, of course, Tony, they can reach us on email. You can reach me at bill at bntexcellent.com, and you can reach Tony at tony at bntexcellent.com. On social media, on Instagram, we're Bill and Tony Pod. On Twitter, we're Bill and Tony Pod. We don't have a threads yet, but maybe that's coming soon. And on Facebook, our Facebook page is BNT Excellent. All right. So let's get to the movie. So it's Oppenheimer. It was written and directed and produced by Christopher Nolan. He had some producing partners in Emma Thomas and Charles Roven. The movie was released widely on July 21st. And in the opening weekend, it did $82.4 million in the domestic box office. For an R-rated movie, that's amazing. For an Three-hour R-rated movie. Three-hour R-rated movie, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we won't digress too much into this, but on the same weekend when another movie did $160 million. So it's really pretty bonkers. Um, as of this uh, recording, uh, it's got a 94% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes for both the critic uh, score and the verified audience scores. So, Tone, the cast for this movie is insane. It, it's just... a really rich cast you know headed by Killian Murphy as J Robert Oppenheimer and Emily Blunt as Kitty Oppenheimer his wife um, but you've obviously got Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr and Florence Pugh but then you've got a wonderful array of just incredibly talented actors that they that they layer in around Josh Hartnett Jack Quaid, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Gary Oldman, Josh Peck, Matthew Modine, and David Krumholtz. And I'm not hitting everybody by a long shot. Yeah, I didn't uh, go into the movie. Look, I mean, I knew who I saw in the uh, commercials and whatnot. But like every few minutes, I'd be like, holy crap, is that Jack Quaid? Is that Branagh? Rami Malek? You know, so it was really just... Um, almost. I don't. It was not distracting. It was just like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, so speaking of all the people involved in this movie, you were really excited to talk about a little something you might not know. So hit us with your knowledge. So this might not be crazy, something you might not know, but it, it, it was something that I really thought was pretty cool when I when I read it. So um, as you might know, Christopher Nolan is a prolific movie maker, and he did a movie a few years ago, Tenet, which uh, starred Robert Pattinson and great movie had lots of wonderful actors in it, just like this movie does, does as well. And at the wrap of the Tenet movie, Pattinson gifted 
Nolan a book of essays by Oppenheimer uh, because in the movie there it's a, a lot of stuff about the you know destruction of the world and there's actually a whole component that that Nolan was thinking about in Oppenheimer and destroying the world and whatnot so Pattinson gifted him this series of essays and it kind of wound up being the impetus for him to actually dig into Oppenheimer and, and write the story he said it actually wrote really really quickly uh, and the other the other tie-in that's something you might not know is the what led him to write a, a biopic. He actually wrote another biopic that didn't get made. Um, he he wrote a, a biopic that was in parallel uh, to the biopic that was actually released about Howard Hughes, uh, and he had Jim Carrey set up to to play Howard Hughes and pulled it because obviously. The Leo DiCaprio version of the Howard Hughes movie gets released and he basically got beat to screen. So he scratched his script, uh, canceled the work. He said it was the role that Jim Carrey was born to play and he was devastated that he couldn't do it. But it actually made writing Oppenheimer that much easier because he'd had practice doing it. Interesting. So what's what's really fascinating about that is then, you know, this isn't one of those movies that has been you know, sort of in the in the works for years. It seems like, you know, this went from idea to screen in, in a couple of years. That's really what it seems like played out. It was, you know, he just kind of caught fire with it. You know, he, he was able to put it together really, really quickly. Amazing. All right. So, you know, this is an instant reaction uh, pod. We're not going to do spoilers and we're not going to do a deep dive here. So this is just going to be a couple of uh, conversation points to uh, let the audience know what our experience was and our thoughts were on the movie at a very high level. What do you think? Is that all right with you, Bill? Love it. All right. So the first thing is that we were one of the lucky folks that got to see this in the 70 millimeter IMAX format. And, you know, uh, if you pay attention, you know, there's been a lot of conversation and talk about that. Um, and the fact that there's only 30 theaters in North America that are equipped to play the movie in this format, which as, as uh, Nolan says, is its intended format. So what did you think? So first of all, thank you for getting us tickets to go see it in 70 millimeter. Um, I, I was not ahead of the game on that and we got to go see it, you know, on opening weekend in 70 millimeter. So big, big shout out to the, the awesomest uh, concierge ever, Tony, uh, by getting us tickets for that. Um, it, it was surprising. Like I, I expected a different theater experience when I walked in. So I, I have been to IMAX a few times um, the local IMAX by me, when I, you know, you walk in the theater, it's this big, huge, wide screen. And that's kind of what I expected. And I walked in and the w the best way that I can put it is it felt like it was portrait instead of landscape. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and that's, I didn't expect that at all. So you get this really super tall screen that is the, the same width-ish as like Almost a normal a movie screen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Almost a square, exactly. But it's it's huge. Yeah. No, I agree. I was thrown off by you know that that same expectation of a you know a huge screen, but expecting it to be wider than tall. And it was, if not a perfect square, it was you know pretty close to a square. Um. So yeah, no, I definitely was thrown off just 
for a little bit about that, but it didn't take but a couple of minutes for me to um, have the exact uh, experience that Nolan described. Um, I'd never seen a a movie in this format before. Not no, not too many folks have as far as a feature film. Um, and the way he was describing it is it's a 3D movie, 3D experience in 2D. And that's exactly what I experienced. I, I, I agree. I mean, the, the, the word I would use was is immersive. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was in the story because of how big it was in front of the front of us. And, you know, the sound was excellent. The, the visuals were really just immersive. But it's not just the big because you can get that anywhere. But for me, I was really experiencing the depth and clarity of every image. I really could feel like um, I was watching, you know, uh, a, a 3D movie, but without the glasses and and all that. It was just really experiencing that. The, the other thing about the theater that I didn't expect in the, in the 70 millimeter IMAX is it was almost like stadium more vertical so mm-hmm. you, you it was a compact theater so you know when i when i say immersive and big screen you're still pretty close to it so it, right. it's like you're very you know in the story like it's right there so you've got this you know really amazing imagery and it's just right you like you could reach out and touch it mm-hmm. it almost felt like uh you know if, if you've gone on like soren or whatever in disney it's like yeah. that type of experience and I'll bet you that's how that stuff is shot. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I was reading is is the re- the way that that effect is achieved is because because of the um, increased uh, film that is used to capture these images, it ends up getting I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like three to four times as many pixels as regular thirty five millimeter film captures and. I don't know how that translates to digital film, but it's significantly more um, image that they're capturing on that film. And that's why you get that these uh, great effects. So it's it's really funny. It actually, um, it, it really resonated for me with something that I had just heard recently. I was listening to a podcast um, on, uh, and they were talking to a neuroscientist um, and they were talking about specifically memory and, you know, like some, accidents or traumatic events, you remember things and they seem to move in slow motion. And the, the way that the neuroscientist explained, it, he said, no, we actually tested this. And what, what really happens is that in that type of experience, you're just writing much denser memory. So when you recall it, it feels like it's in slow motion. And, and that's also why when you have a weekend where you're doing all these different things and, and you have new memories and whatnot, it feels like it's a longer weekend and you have a weekend where you do nothing. It's like, Oh, it went by so quick. It's a similar type experience with the film. Like it's just so dense. Like it's, it's so packed. It's just a very compelling experience. uh, Analogy. Well, you're talking about memories and um, what makes me think uh, what, and, and that leads me to think about the time shifting and trying to follow this movie. You know, uh, you know, Nolan is known for time shifting and and perspective shifting, and you know, uh, if you you know, Inception and Memento and and Tenet, and then this. So, um, in your opinion, was it easy to follow? How hard or how easy was it to follow 
the movie as it time shifted? I thought it was relatively easy to follow. I, I think it maybe took me a, a couple of minutes at the beginning to kind of know how it was going in and out. So when it started, I wasn't sure how it was going to flow. And it kind of started to make sense as the movie you played You got the out. hang of it? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I, I didn't at the very beginning. I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm not sure you know, how this is going to flow. And then it started to make complete sense to me. Yeah. So I, um, it, it, it was easier than some of his other movies, but it definitely was, uh, took some work to just try to, um, order what I was seeing in my mind, uh, just to follow the story. And I guess that leads us to part of that confusion for me, um, is the use of color. And I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So that, that was like completely fascinating. And I was, I didn't make a great connection on the use of color and black and white when I was sitting in the theater. Um, but I have read some things about what was intended. These are things that I've heard, I think in interviews with Nolan and others. So I don't think it's anything, you know, that can't be talked about without spoiling the movie. But I, I think the intent based upon what I've heard is that, color is in Oppenheimer's view and black and white is in other characters view. So you've got color is, is, you know, the richer story from his own view. And then the black and white is from other characters points of view. Yeah. So I didn't pick up on that. you know, to be honest with you, when we were watching the movie, movie. not at all, but I was tripping up on it because, you know, I knew it was obviously intentional, but I wasn't, I wasn't capturing what the intent was. Like what was the formula for when, completely different color in the black and white completely agree i didn't get it in in the theater at all like hearing it after the fact i'm like oh yeah that kind of makes sense but i didn't pick that up in the theater at all yeah so folks i you know we talked about it i don't think that that's a spoiler i um actually hope that it actually helps improve your experience if you weren't aware of that but uh now that you know definitely you know watch it through that lens and you'll have an easier time following that than than bill and i did all right. So um, pacing and length, you know, we didn't talk, we barely, you know, we, we did an hour car ride home after the movie, but we intentionally didn't talk about the movie, except I think maybe one thing we hit on uh, and that was pacing and length. So for me, the, you know, and we talk about this a lot when we talk about albums and we talk about this a lot when we talk about movies, the, the length matters and, you know, specifically don't be excessive. Um, and in, for, for me with this movie, there was, there was an excess. Like I didn't feel like there was anything in there that didn't fit the story. Well, I, I sat through two and a half hour movies where I'm like, Oh my God, is this movie ever going to end? And I didn't get a second of that sitting through three hours of Oppenheimer. I was paying rapt attention the whole time. And I didn't feel like it, the three hours was going slowly at all. So I have to say that I agree that I feel, I don't think there was fat and, you know, we'll talk about that in some of the other uh, movies that we review this summer about the idea of some fat. I don't think there was any fat here, but I did um, find that the first, you know, two hours is, is really propulsive going towards the uh, uh, successful uh, development of the, uh, the bomb and the bombing uh, of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, and that is just so propulsive and so much energy 
And I was literally on the edge of my seat. And I have to say that I did find in that last hour, even though it was interesting and it wasn't fat and I, you know, really enjoyed it. I was starting to squirm a little bit. I just caught myself getting a little antsy. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like if there was something I would pick at, it would be there were some components of the story where it, it not that they weren't good in the, in the movie, but maybe extraneous the Florence Pugh piece of the story might not have had to include like i think you could have told the same story and probably taken 20 minutes out of the movie by that but i i don't think it detracted from the movie um and i and i think she's a tremendous actress and i think the the, the dynamic between the two of them was great so I, I think it was good but i think you might have said okay 20 minutes less all right so you mentioned uh flo pew but you know let's turn it back to Killian Murphy, who was RJ Robert Oppenheimer. Um, you know, he was, in, I'm not going to say he was in every scene, but he was in a ton of this movie. And he's, you know, clearly um, the person whom uh, the movie revolves around. What did you think of his performance? So I have been a Peaky Blinders fan. So I, I, I followed him and I think he's a phenomenal actor. I thought he was perfect as Oppenheimer. I, I like the, the physical demeanor, uh, you know, the, you know, even there's some facial features that are, are you know, some slight similarities. I, I just really thought he cast a, a good character as Oppenheimer and he was compelling to watch. I, I really felt like he did a tremendous job. I couldn't agree with you more. I could not take my eyes off of him. And, I, and I'm not a peaky uh, blinders guy. I'm not familiar with his work. I, actually don't know i can't recall anything that i've seen him in so he i came into it not knowing anything about him i couldn't take my eyes off of him and of course it's i was also looking at him in a giant screen in <laughs> millimeter. big giant head right? so yeah i couldn't take my eyes off of him. but um but his performance was absolutely absolutely amazing so any other notes on cast performances anyone you want to call out in particular so the cast was phenomenal i think um emily blunt was really great as as kitty um i think matt damon but kind of you know i'm, I'm not always the biggest matt damon fan and i think he did a tremendous job as as leslie groves and the the one that kind of took my breath away was the the gary oldman like i i, I didn't know he was in the movie and the makeup was so darn good that I was like, that's Gary Oldman, isn't it? And I, and I had to actually look it up when I got home to make sure it was Gary Oldman. I just had to check our show notes because I didn't know that was Gary Oldman playing who he played. <laughs> I was like, who the hell was Gary Oldman in this movie? He played, he played Truman. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I'm team blunt, you know? So, I mean, I have a, uh, a long standing uh, crush on Emily Blunt and she was tremendous. And I didn't mention Downey Jr. And he was spectacular in the movie. Like he played a perfect, like to the point where, you know, not, not to get into the, the spoiler of it or anything. Like he really drew you in. He really, really drew you in. Absolutely. I mean, there's another, if you want to shorten this movie and then do a different movie, just, uh, you know, centered around uh, Robert Downey's, a character you could have totally done that and oh I, i'd go see movie. i'd go see it i'd yeah. go see it absolutely yeah, his performance is great it, it's just great to see you know someone who was 
you know, once one of our great actors and then, you know, basically, you know, he made a billion dollars, but he's been in, you know, acting purgatory for 15 years. And it's great to see him get to actually be something that isn't a Marvel superhero. No, agreed. And, uh, you know, and I can't get enough Kenneth Branagh in parts like he did with Niels Bohr, like perfect. Like he was so perfect for that part. It was amazing. Well, you know, I'm uh, as as you know, I'm a big Hercule Poirot fan and and I just absolutely, you know, I mean, no one is ever going to top the David Suchet PBS uh, stuff, but I've really grown to love uh, Brana's uh, movies and I'm I, looking forward to the next one that's coming out uh, later this year. Completely agree. Yeah, I saw I saw the trailer for it. and I'm like, wow, that looks awesome. So. All right. So um, as we get to the end here. How did you feel at the end of the movie? It's a heavy movie. Um, it is a lot to process. And it really, it left me with a lot of parallels to, you know, what's going on with AI and chat GPT and generative AI specifically. And I think, you know, the interviews I've, I've seen with Nolan, he, he's not, you know, as doom and gloom on generative AI as, you know, as the atomic bomb. But I, I think where we are as far as the impact of something technologically, it's analogous. And it's definitely, it's definitely moving to see what Oppenheimer had to deal with in the decision-making process and how he had to live with himself after the fact and how he got marginalized uh, in, in, in history in a lot of ways and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, the interplay with, with him and Einstein in the, in the movie was phenomenal. Like, and, and how, how that kind of played into the, the story. Uh, so I, I, I really think that for me, when I left the movie, I was just m- maybe in a dark place, candidly, um, you know, not, not feeling the most positive about all things, all things in the world, but just really moved by the movie. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's taken a lot of mental effort for me to um, wall off the uh, fifth grader memory uh, or, 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 or the fifth grade me uh, from this movie, because, you know, we're the same age and, and we were uh, not fit. Maybe it was like third or second, but third, third or fourth grade, but you know, whatever it is, you know, we were the same age in 1981 or whenever the 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 day after I uh, came out, and that movie just you know terrified me for for years. And you know, we have grown accustomed to all that, and you know, put it out of mind. But this movie definitely brought some of those uh, memories back from childhood. So I have managed to wall that off, but it's still you know sitting there with you you know i think that's a really good callback i think that's the type of impact i felt leaving the theater was that type of an impact i i I, that's a great callback all right so um we're going to finish with our overall grade for the movie how are we grading movies for our summer movie season so we use a a grading curve of zero to five five being the best zero being the worst and we're going to use movie itself to actually come up with out of what so tone i think you know we're talking oppenheimer i think we know what it has to be right no doubt 
it, it couldn't be anything else but a mushroom cloud. It has to be mushroom cloud. And uh, before we give our final grades, just shouts out to our group chat, our pop culture group chat, who uh, inspired us for the uh, movie grading scheme. And uh, so now why don't you tell us, Bill, how many mushroom clouds does this movie give you? I'm going to give it five mushroom clouds. I, I just was it's one of the movies that I've seen in the past several years that has impacted me the most. I think the the thing about a movie for me is it should be something that is compelling that you can't take your eyes off and you want to watch and you want to watch to the end and you don't want to, you don't want to get up and go to the restroom or whatever. You don't want to pause it. You don't want to anything. You're just so immersed in it. And tick, 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 check, check, check. It did that across the board for me. It, it is a knock, knock it out of the park. Just tremendous movie candidly if it doesn't win best picture this year some somebody did something wrong yeah. like there's no way that that's not the best picture that's made in 2023 sorry yeah no i agree with you so and i'm also at a five mushroom cloud for me um i'll say that what absolutely makes it a no-brainer was that that 70 millimeter imax experience because that was truly extraordinary um i'd say if i was you know nitpicking and this is just regular format I could have been talked into a 4.5, but because of the uh, cinematic achievement of what was done on top of an incredible film, it's a no-brainer five out of five for me. So are you going to go see it again? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle, but um, because she doesn't want to travel more than 15 minutes to go to the movies, we'll see it in uh, you know a regular size screen. Yep. Chris and I are going to see it at, in uh, our Manville Theater tomorrow in Dolby Atmos. So we're not going to see it in big IMAX, but we're going to see it in the nice Dolby oh, Theater. Yeah, well, we're not even going to get Dolby. So we're going to be slumming it old school. All right. So I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. So what? Uh, fi final thoughts? Any any last, last thoughts on the movie? Uh, no, just really excited uh, to have, you know, these big time movies back and even if they're not all five out of fives it's still great to see movie stars doing movie star things i, I agree with you wholeheartedly and I, I would encourage everyone who loves movies to go see this movie then in the theater it is a it's an experience go see it if you love movies go see this movie in the theater on the biggest best screen that you possibly can Absolutely. All right. So take us out. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Bill and Tony's excellent adventure in movies. And we're going to be continuing our summer series. So stay tuned and listen because we're going to be dropping some episodes on the movies that we mentioned at the beginning of the pod. So look forward to uh, sharing our thoughts with you. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, everyone. 